Welcome back to another episode of Time Out with Adam and Jack. Jack, how are we doing on this glorious Monday? It's beautiful outside here, man. It's um, I, I'm watching the lake in front of me. The water's flowing. I can already tell we're going to be flowing this episode. It's just going to be a great episode. And my, 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 we've been excited all week for this. Time. All week, all day. Couldn't even sleep last night. And that's a true fact. You can ask my wife. I couldn't sleep at all. Um, partly because I know for a fact what's going to happen later today when the Eagles play the Seahawks. It's not going right. to be pretty for that team in Philadelphia, and it sucks. Right. But, uh, you know, some people say they hate Mondays. Some say it's the worst day of the week, but for me, it's the best day because I get to talk to you, get to talk some sports. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't cry. Yeah. But um, this week we did something different. We uh, got some questions from our listeners, and uh, we got some pretty good ones, and we want to go over them, give our opinions, our thoughts on these questions, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. So let's start with the first one here. This one's from a good friend of mine, Jamal Washington. Jamal, how you doing? He asks, does Pittsburgh have a chance to go undefeated if they lose a game or two and they still are they still contenders? If healthy, can you see them not making the Super Bowl? Jack, since you're a fan of the Steelers, I'll let you start this one off. I mean, so the question is, can I see them going undefeated? Probably not. <clears throat> as much as I want to see them go undefeated, at the end of the day, it's what happens in the postseason if they can win it all. Apparently, the Simpsons projected, or they, yeah, they projected that the Chiefs would win it again this year, and, and that kind of scares me because they're usually right. But, uh, no, I, I just, like, even tomorrow night's game, which it looks like it'll stand to play tomorrow night, which I think last time we recorded, I said it's shitty for the Steelers. I think it's really shitty for both teams happening with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Uh, especially with Lamar Jackson being out. So I'm scared for both teams tomorrow night, um, especially the Steelers. I'd love for Pittsburgh to pull it out, but they could easily lose that game. Um, and then <clears throat> the big game for me for the rest of the way is Buffalo. I just don't see – I just can't see Pittsburgh going into Buffalo and beating them later this year. It's just going to be a really tough game. I don't know how they're going to be able to stop Josh Allen with his arm and his feet. So it's just going to be really interesting. So I think it comes down to this with, with Pittsburgh. It's not because of the COVID thing. They play two games in four days. So they're going to play right. the Ravens tomorrow, then Washington on Sunday. If there's a game they're going to lose, it's going to be one of these two. I don't think it's going to be the Ravens because the Ravens are missing a lot of people due to COVID, including Lamar Jackson. Like he's not playing tomorrow. He's not right. As far as I'm, I know, he's not playing. All right. right. I think probably be RG3. Okay, yeah, still a decent quarterback, but it's not he's no Lamar Jackson. Um, no. So I see them beating the Ravens, but because they're going to be on that four-day rest and they're going to jump right back into it on Sunday, I think they're going to lose to Washington. Washington's coming off a victory over that team in Arlington. You know, they're, they're nothing to – they're not good. They suck, let's be real. But mm -hmm. a, a win against a divisional rival always boosts up a team. And not only did they win, they destroyed them. And Washington has a great front seven. They have a – unbelievably good defensive line and it seems like their offense is kind of moving they're able to run the ball pretty well that is the Steelers strong suit stopping the run but they are coming on that short week extremely short week for the second time this year so I think they lose to Washington but that doesn't take them out of the contender realm I still think they are 100% a contender for the Super Bowl 
100 percent and like you were saying that short week four games then or two games within four days i mean that's just unreal right there they better wake up feeling dangerous for both of those <laughs> games but the, um the, i'm sorry the, the three games that i have circled on their schedule right now are the next two and then against buffalo just like you said right um and it's just and part of me was really glad in the beginning that they're not considering moving this to week 18 but now looking back on it it just kind of makes more sense for them to move it to a week 18 game just because of how tight their schedule is going to be. Now with Washington in their regards, they're going to actually be facing a quarterback that they've struggled with and Alex Smith coming in, who's actually an elite quarterback in my book. Uh, And then obviously they have Riverboat Ron running the ship there. So it, this is, I think, a completely different Washington team. Like you said, their defensive line and their offense is starting to get back into the groove. So absolutely, I think Washington's going to be a very tough team. Um, luckily, the game is going to be in Pittsburgh, if that will help at all any. But yeah, They also don't have fans right now either, right? Because Pennsylvania, right. they're not doing fans. Right. And then there's rumors going around that the players would have to wear face masks That's while they're playing. Like, I, I just don't understand it, but I mean, they're going to catch cases either way. Yeah, that's even if, these dudes, the, 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 the offensive linemen and defensive linemen are literally going face first into each other, spitting and sweating on each other. I mean, come on. And, the, and these players are going to test positive whether this season happened or not. Let's say they stayed isolated the whole entire season. More likely, a lot of these players are still going to test positive somehow. I don't know. It COVID works in mysterious ways. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just like how this season has, but even if Pittsburgh doesn't go undefeated, which I would love them to, but if they don't, they're hundred percent going to be contenders, especially if they can hold on to this first round buy that they currently have right now. Um, I can't really see them resting any players right now just because of that huge first round buy, especially with them not having a bye week since week four. So I really can't see them resting much players because I think every game is going to matter right now for them. And Kansas City, I don't see them slowing down anytime soon. Raiders, yeah. they don't play anymore. So I agree. I agree. The, the last part to this question is, if healthy, can you see them not making the Super Bowl? Absolutely, I can see them not making the Super Bowl. I could see anything happening in the playoffs. You know, they have to still play potentially the Chiefs. They would have to still play potentially the Ravens if the Ravens sneak in. The Browns. They're in the playoffs right now. They're not a bad team. It's a division rival. Like anything can happen in the playoffs. The Colts are in there. What, what do you right. think about that? Do you think if they if they remain healthy, are they? I don't. I wouldn't say they're a lock for the Super Bowl, but if they remain healthy, can you see them not making it? I mean, I think it will just end up like the same team as last year. If knock on wood, hopefully Ben doesn't get hurt. Ben goes down for any period of time in the playoffs, or that team's done. Yeah, I mean, we saw what like Mason Hodges did last year. And the legend Duck. That duck. Yeah, Devlin Duck. Yeah, I mean, it just really, I just, it really boils down to Ben Roethlisberger being healthy and be able to play. And so far, he's shown that he's been able to play. Now, he's not having great statistical years like how he has in the past, but he's been a very good player so far this year. And I think he's going to get comeback player of the year. Um, but it's just, if Ben goes down, this team's not going to come close to Super Bowl, no matter how good their defense is or how good their offensive weapons are. They could lose a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster and be fine in the playoffs. I think They could so. lose a guy like Clay Poole and be fine in the playoffs. I Knock on wood, so. that doesn't happen. But <clears throat> all those pieces around are so important 
but what it boils down to is Big Ben. Yeah, um, I think, like I just said, I, I I think they are a legit contender, but I can also see them not making the Super Bowl just because that's the nature of the NFL. Right. So next question we have here is from my cousin, Ross Bucksbaum. Ross, how are we doing today? He like asked, do you like that name? I like that name. <laughs> Ricky Ross. Yeah, Ricky Ross. Uh, so this is a three-part question, and we're spanning over two, two sports here. Unfortunately for Ross, he's a Jets and a Knicks fan, right? So um, he says, will the Jets win a game? <laughs> next question, no. Next part of the question, will they draft Trevor Lawrence? Yeah. And the third part, how many wins for the Knicks this year? So we'll start with the Jets. The Jets' best chance to win a game was yesterday, and they didn't win that game. They also lost that game very easily. So I don't think the Jets win a game this year unless something miraculous happens and a team rests all their players and pulls a practice squad wide receiver like the Broncos just did to play quarterback. I think still it's going to be a shootout and the Jets may still lose that. The Jets are awful. Adam, I don't think the Jets want to win a game. I don't, I don't think, think they do. <laughs> it's, it's a tight run right now for the number one draft pick right now. And I do not think the Jets want to win a game right now. Do you think so? If the Jets uh, lose out and they well, if they get the number one pick, do you think they draft Trevor Lawrence? Absolutely, I think Adam Gase is going to push really hard for that. Obviously, it's not just his call, but he's going to want Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he's burning that whole fran that franchise was already burnt to the ground, but he's just digging a deeper grave for him. Uh, but realistically, I think yeah, you how can you not take Trevor Lawrence, whether he wants to play there or not? Which I don't think he does. I don't think he would ever say that, but. What star, future star, is going to want to go and play for the New York Jets? Nah. It's like years ago, whenever no quarterback, no player ever wanted to go and play for the Cleveland Browns, except I think this is worse. Man, uh, in, my, in my 27 years of living, also being from New York, I think I've only seen the Jets good maybe three years, and two of those years were Rex Ryan, and then sometime in the early 2000s when they had Chad Pennington, a quarterback, yeah. And um, um, yeah, Keyshawn Johnson, you know, like that, that was, they were a good one year. They lost to the Raiders, I think in the divisional round of the playoffs and the Raiders had an old man, Jerry Rice out there with crutches, just destroying them. Right. But I think the Jets go uh, undefeated in the negative fashion. I think they go winless and I think they draft Trevor Lawrence. They have to draft Trevor Lawrence. Why wouldn't you? And I think that because they got two first round picks, they got the pick number 21. I think you draft a wide receiver there because you got this fresh new uh, quarterback. You drafted uh, Denzel Mims this year. He's a, a rookie uh, wide receiver. You got Jameson Crowder as kind of the vet. Why not just add another weapon in there for Trevor Lawrence, you know? Right. I mean, and realistically, looking at this franchise, I mean, they're in a good spot right now to where they are rebuilding. But this rebuilding process has gone on for so so many years to where it's just, if I was a Jets fan, thank God I'm not blessed the Lord today. I woke up feeling beautiful, looking beautiful, not being a New York Jets fan. <laughs> but I, I mean, the, this team has a lot of, a lot to look forward to whenever it comes to draft and then obviously money and all that stuff, bringing in future veterans and all that stuff. So, I mean, I'm, I'd like to see this team build and do well. And I don't want to see Trevor Lawrence get his, ass reamed in new york i just don't want to see it happen i think he's too i think the jets are also while they're in a fortunate position to be able to draft this this high talent they're in an unfortunate position because their type of rebuild is not like a two-year turnaround 
I think their type of rebuild is a four, five, six season turnaround, like where they uh, gradually get better, kind of like how the Browns did. The Browns were shit. Then they just started gradually, hey, they went from three wins to five, then five wins to seven. Then right now, were they eight and two, something seven and three, something like that? Yeah, around there. I think they're eight and two or eight and three. I think they've lost, I think they've lost three games so yeah, far. So, this so, year. Th- so they're eight and three right now. Uh, I think that's kind of the trajectory the Jets are on right now. And sucks if you're a Jets fan, you know, but they made the right choice by trading Jamal Adams. They made a horrible choice by signing Le'Veon Bell to that contract, but good on them for getting his ass out of New York because he was a bum. Right. I don't know what happened to him because he was dominant in Pittsburgh. But I guess, you know, when you get paid, you kind of just stop giving a fuck. And I think that's what Le'Veon Bell did. He seen the team around him was losing. He's like, fuck it, you know. And it's the, the crazy part about that contract was Pittsburgh offered him more. It's just the guaranteed money. And Bell knew that he was screwed with the guaranteed money because he can't stay healthy. And I think it was an attitude thing. He was just, he just wanted to right. shove it in Pittsburgh's face. Saying, Hey, this team's giving me more guaranteed money. Yeah. What a joke. What a joke. Trust me. You're damn right. We don't trust you. You're damn right. I mean, tell me how many times you showed up in a playoff game. None. One. Jaguars one. And you still lost. Yeah. <laughs> and you were did. talking about not even playing that game, bro. Get out of here. And then right after that loss, that's whenever you started to say, yeah, I think I'm tapping out here. Uh, so fuck you, Le'Veon. Um, but continue. Done with my rant on him. <laughs> so on the other side of the coin, the unfortunate coin that Ross lives with is he's also a Knicks fan. <laughs> yeah. And um, if this were 2013, I'd be really pumped about the Knicks. 2012, 2013. But this is 2020. But I do shit on the Knicks, but they do have a bright future ahead of them. They had a great draft this year, and they do have some solid pieces in place. They have R.J. Barrett, just to name a few, R.J. Barrett, Austin Rivers, Julius Randle, Ignis Brazdinkis, the Michigan product right there, coming into his second year. I think the Knicks right now with the team that they have and the rookies they have and the coach that they have, I think they win – 25 to 35 games, 40 max. I think 40 max. And that's just, that's a, that's a, a fantasy right now, but anything could happen. I think 40 wins max with that team that they have. The East is really loaded. And I mean, they have the Sixers, the Raptors, the Celtics, the Bucks, the Heat, the Pacers are pretty good. You know, all these teams are still above the Knicks, the Nets, Kevin Durant's coming back this year. Kyrie Irving should be playing. So, and most of those teams are in the Knicks division. So they got to play these teams. Um, so I think realistically, I'm thinking like 34 to 36 wins for the Knicks this year. And it's a 72 game season. I, I, I agree with, uh, around that number of wins. I got them. If I were to guess right now, I'd probably say 27 games, 25, 20 around there, which that's what do you expect? It's not going to be a disappointing season because, you just know what it's going to be like. I mean, you're going to have a very young team with a lot of talent and the sky's the limit for them. But right now it's just not a team that's ready to fully compete. Now they can go into a, an arena like in Brooklyn and they can give the uh, the Nets a tough game. They can yeah, I think they do- can, the, the Knicks on paper can give any team a tough game. And they just also signed Nerlens Noel too. He's a, a great defender down low, you know, he, right. he can disrupt the, the layups, disrupt the cause havoc down low. His downfall, he can't really rebound. His offense is subpar. But when you got guys like R.J. Barrett playing alongside you, your offense doesn't need to be up to snuff. Like, I mean, R.J. Barrett would pick it up. Uh, Brazdinkas would pick it up. Austin Rivers would pick it up. You know, um, so I, I think 
a fair assessment is what both of us are saying somewhere in between 27 and 36 wins somewhere in that range for the Knicks. Next question we got is from a good friend of mine, Craig Alessi. He says, why is TJ Watt criminally underrated and underappreciated when he is neck and neck with Aaron Donald for defensive player of the year? Jack Lid, drop some knowledge in this one. All right. <clears throat> well, your man is right. He is criminally underrated. He is. In my opinion, I agree. I think he should have ran away with defensive player of the year last year against Stephon Gilmore. Uh, I don't, unfortunately, I don't have his stats pulled up, but this man had eight forced fumbles last year, along with his sacks, tackles, and interceptions. I mean, dude's unreal. Uh, and he can stay healthy, unlike his brother. Knock on wood, let's keep that going. Yeah. But he is criminally underrated. And I think it's, he, it's also because he's on a team, on a defense, that he's not the only star player on that defense. I mean, he's got Mika Fitzpatrick, who came in last year as Jesus Christ himself, and you know, save that uh, defensive secondary. He did. I remember you and I were talking. It's like, because when they were making that trade, it's like, do you really think they should have traded all these guys from Minka Fitzpatrick? And at the time, you and I were both skeptical about it. But looking back on it, I'm glad that they did because it's trans. Him alone has transformed that defense. I think that's the best front office move Pittsburgh's ever made. I mean, it's just what he did for that team, and that he's still doing for. The- that team, yeah, he's not getting as many interceptions as he was last year. He's not getting as many pick sixes, but he is such a force. He takes away such a huge part of the secondary to where the quarterback doesn't even think about looking in his general area. It's just amazing to see. And then another guy you got on that defense is Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuitt, even though he's going to be out tomorrow night. Uh, who else? Bud Dupree. I could see him walking after this year just because, you know, he's going to want a big contract. And he's only been – he was very productive last year, and this year he's been kind of productive. But what I'm getting at here is that te- that defense is stacked right now. Yeah, at every level. So not, at every level. And it's not like with TJ or J.J. Watt where he all the years he was on Houston, yeah, they had a solid defense. But there was nowhere – nobody even close to the respect level that J.J. had on his team. Nobody even came close to it. And J.J. was such a stud. I, I – I think just and then just the Watt name, just that, and yeah, then he's always looking up on his brother. He's just always going to be looking up towards him. That was so. my first point right there. Um, I think he's overlooked because of the Watt name. I, like I'm literally looking at it right here. That's what my first thing I said that T.J. Watt is overlooked because he carries the Watt name. When people hear Watt, they automatically think J.J. Watt, but mm-hmm. T.J. Watt is on a path right now to be better than his brother. You know, right. Maybe like he doesn't possess the physical like specimen that his brother is he doesn't look like he's not as big as his brother he's not as dominant as his brother but he has a lot more finesse he's a lot faster than his brother and i think he's a lot smarter than his brother so in the past three years and this this season's not even over yet um because this is his third year he has 43 and a half sacks in in the nfl 43 and a half sacks he's the leader on the d-line his sack numbers have gone up every year and he also has three interceptions and let's not even talk about the the tip passes the clogging the lanes, the cutting off the outside runs, the the zone sweeps and everything. So I think TJ Watt is going to be better than his brother. I think when it's all said and done, he's going to go down as one of the best D linemen to ever play. And he's going to go down as probably the best D lineman to ever play in Pittsburgh. That's a bold statement, but I think he he will. And it's a bold um, smart statement. I mean, there's there's no reason for you not to say that. I like for me to go against that statement. So I, I agree. 
yeah, he's he's great, man. He's he's just good, and um, he's just gonna get better because he's only in his third year. Right. I'm Anything excited. else to add on that one? Let's hope that he gets the. Let's hope he actually gets the award this year. I hope so. I think Aaron Donald's kind of having a down year, so. Right. I want to see. I want to see T.J. Watt win one. I, I do. Really, I do really want to see him win one. But uh, next question is. <laughs> People were really curious about the Steelers this week because this is a third question kind of dealing with the Steelers. So this one right here, do you think – this from my good friend Brent says, uh, do you think after the second postponement for the Ravens versus Steelers game, they're given an unfair advantage to the Ravens to have a fully healthy team? To my knowledge, there has not been any postponements like this for any team. It's been a play-with-what-you-got situation. So I'll start this one off. I absolutely think it's unfair. I think it's unfair because the Broncos just this week played with a quarterback that a month ago – was literally working retail, and then he was on the practice squad as a wide receiver, and now he's playing quarterback in the NFL. Granted, he was a quarterback in college, but not no game-breaking quarterback. No. Um, I think this is a major foul on the NFL's part to delay it this much, but both teams are missing a lot of players. So with that, with both teams missing a lot of players, I'm thinking the NFL is thinking more so quality of game rather than pushing out a shit game you know and this is an important game so i can see why the nfl would cancel it until tuesday but it really doesn't matter because not even those players still aren't even playing right. those guys still aren't even playing so i think the best thing for this should have been a week 18 they should have just pushed right. this one to week 18 because you know on, on the the ravens you got lamar jackson not playing amongst others the, the ravens are missing 12 players and the steelers are missing four for this weekend the Steelers are missing James Conner and Steven Tuitt, amongst others, the two big-name players. So I think the best bet would have been to push this one to Week 18. Absolutely. Week 8 – and looking back on it now, I went on a rant last episode about, you know, the Ravens are full of shit. Fuck John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh, excuse me. And, I mean, ultimately, this boils down. It is Baltimore's fault. I mean, let's not get that wrong. But the way that the NFL is handling the situation – has been absolutely awful. I mean, like you were saying with the Broncos, I didn't even realize until Sunday that their quarterback was going to be a practice squad wide receiver that was going to be coming in, not one completion by him in half. Like, that's amazing to me. Uh, and I just want to hear a statement coming out of from the NFL, from Roger Goodell in the NFL saying, okay, this is why we did this and that. Because it just doesn't make any sense to me or any of the fans right now why that game happened. Um, why this game wasn't delayed even more to where maybe Denver can go out and make a signing uh, for to come in and just fill in for that game instead of letting this kid embarrass himself out there. I Denver, mean, it's just – Did you read that Denver tried to have one of their coaches play quarterback, sign him to the roster to play quarterback? He was a quarterback in college, and the NFL did, uh, declined it. I did not see that. I, I forgot what coach it was. I think it was like, you know, one of those – quality assurance coaches, uh, quality control coaches, they, uh, NFL declined it. They, they wouldn't let the Broncos do that. So the Broncos had to go take a fucking unloader from a, uh, at Walmart to sign them to their practice squad. Hey, you're starting this week, kid. Suit up, get ready. Cause you're playing the saints. They could have called me. I would have you know, been there. I got I, nothing better. You know, you know, I would have went pro until I had that. Uh, I pulled that my tonsils. This yeah yeah this story with your tonsils and it just really brings me goosebumps thinking back on my on my past injuries like the my appendix I mean it's just 
I ruptured my appendix, everything, and I went blind in both eyes for a year. It's just really devastating to see how serious injuries are in potential professional sport futures like you and I. It's just it's just really heartbreaking. I, I, I don't see anything in this world that brings more pain and tears to my life than our stories. Oh, the best stories ever. Right. That's what they'll remain as stories. <laughs> no, <laughs> all right. Uh, this next question here is from a person that's near and dear to our hearts, our good friend Ricky Mead. Richard, slick Rick. Rick, we miss you. We love you, brother. We love you, and Teddy Bear. Here's your question Who is the most overrated running back of all time? I'm saying Zeke Elliott. Zeke Elliott? No, I'm not saying Zeke Elliott, but just fuck Zeke Elliott, though. You want me to start this one off? If you want, take right. the reins. This one's going to be easy. Peyton Hillis, most overrated running back of all time. Okay. And uh, reason being, he was put on a pedestal because he was on the Madden cover because the fans fell in love with him. It was the one year for the fan vote when Michael Vick was absolutely deserving of the Madden cover that year and the comeback that he made. But they gave it to Peyton Hillis. When he played for the Browns, he had 14 touchdowns. In two seasons, 14 touchdowns, you know, pretty good. Pretty good. 10 fumbles, but he averaged 70 yards a game. Is that Madden cover worthy? He's the, he's the worst Madden cover athlete. Vince Young's the second worst Madden cover athlete. Uh, but like I said, he's been put on the pedestal because of that Madden cover. And he rushed to the tune of 35 yards per game for his career. That's why he is the most overrated running back of all time. All right. I like that answer. I like it. Now, my answer there's definitely going to be some blood boiling to our listeners after this answer that comes out because we're like, Oh my God, Jack, what an idiot. We're not listening to this podcast anymore. What an idiot. He didn't even get to watch him play. He's just a little kid. Bo Jackson. Oh no. Most overrated running back of all time. Now let me, let me give you my opinion of Bo. Run, Bo, run. Okay. Bo Jackson, freak athlete. One of the best athletes ever. Okay. Dual sport freak athlete. Dual sport freak athlete. He ain't no fucking Deion Sanders. He ain't Deion Sanders. Everybody wants to say dual sport athlete for Deion. No, get out of here, prime time. Bo Jackson, great athlete, especially when he played at Auburn. Now, he suffered unfortunate events whenever it came to his last years in Oakland with his injuries. I believe it was a hip injury that ended his career. Yeah, it was hip. Now, in four seasons with the Oakland Raiders, Big Bo had 515 rushes. It's a lot of carries. Yeah. All right. 2,782 yards and 16 total touchdowns. That's five now, seasons. what was that stat that you gave me on Peyton Hillis? What was that stat you gave me on – how many did he score in two seasons? 14. What the fuck, man? <laughs> we got Bo Jackson, 16 touchdowns in four years. Compared to Peyton Hillis, who had 14 in two years. Now, don't get me wrong. Who would I take if I were to build my team around all of them healthy? It's going to be Bo. Yeah. Easily. Fuck Peyton. But I'm just looking at Bo Jackson here, and I think to myself, I woke up this morning thinking this. Oddly enough, I had a nightmare. I was shivering. I I had the night sweats because I was thinking of Bo and how all the fans in the stands were going crazy for this man. And then now I'm looking at now it's like, all you cookie cutter motherfuckers, you guys have no idea. That's my case. I just think Bo's overrated. 
as an NFL running back, college running back, one of the best. As a dual sport athlete, freaking nature, freaking nature. I wouldn't step in front of him. No. Would you? Absolutely not. Would you let this man hit a line drive towards you while you're playing the hot corner on third base? Fuck no. Would you be confident that you would be able to hit a fly ball out to center field and that he would not be able to catch it? Or would you be confident that you hit a, a double into the gap? You're rounding first. First base coach is saying round first, round first, round first. You're heading there. All of a sudden, you see the ball in Bo's hand. I would stop middle of the base <laughs> path, kiss my pants, and just walk to the duck because I already know I'm out. Let, I already let, know let, I'm out. Let me tell you one thing. If I stepped up to the plate, I'm taking the pitcher 450 to center field regardless of who it is. I don't care who's playing center field. It's going over their head. It's going over the head? Yes. Now, what about your whole tonsil situation? Ah, uh, yeah. Come on, man. Why did I bring that up? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I have an honorable mention here as well. Hit me with it. Uh, Marcus Allen. Okay, I get that. We played for Raiders Chiefs. Uh, <laughs> similar, honestly, similar numbers to Peyton Hillis. 55 yards per game for his career. And this guy's in the Hall of Fame. This guy's a Hall of Famer. 55 yards per game in his career. He played 15 seasons, and over his last 12 seasons, over rushed, only rushed for over 900 yards once. And he's in the Hall of Fame. He was all pro one time. And he led the league in rushing one time. And once again, <clears throat> he's in the Hall of Fame. So now you, you got guys that were playing like Noshawn Moreno who put up better numbers than that. Would you say Noshawn Moreno is a Hall of Famer? No. Would you say Joseph Adai is a Hall of Famer? Absolutely not. These guys put up better numbers than Marcus Allen. With less rushing attempts too. Yeah. So, I mean – not taking anything away from Mark Allen. He was great, but overrated. Definitely overrated. Uh, next and question here is from Craig Alessi one more time. He was feeling hot, feeling dangerous, wanted to get his two cents in, needed our opinions on multiple questions. His next question is – All weedings that morning. Yeah, he had a two bowls of weedings. So next oh, question man. from him is, will Fred Taylor ever be in the Hall of Fame? Another great running back. What's your take on that one? I mean, it. I mean, just like with the question that we asked, the last question. I mean, it was with Marcus Allen. Your honorable mention. It's like Fred Taylor. How can Marcus Allen be in the Hall of Fame, but Fred Taylor can't? And yeah. I think it also. I think it also comes down to the franchise that he played for for Jacksonville, which Jacksonville Jacksonville Jaguars deserve so much more respect for that respectable franchise. <laughs> All right. They deserve to be located in Jacksonville. No other city deserved that but Jacksonville. All right. That organization is top notch. Everything runs like a steam engine over there. Well, did you right? say last week they should be in London? They most definitely <laughs> should be in London or Ontario or Toronto, somewhere else other than Jacksonville. But Jacksonville deserves it. And their owner, he does not give me creepy vibes at all whatsoever. <laughs> Dud Muffin. He gives me but a I think bit of creepy vibe. I think it's down to the organization that he also played for. I mean, the Jaguars, I mean, they're just not that. If you were to tell me, list all the teams in the NFL, I could give you division by division. But the AFC South is one of the hardest ones for me to just name off the top of my head after listing all these other teams. It's just because the Jaguars are the Jags. Yeah. And then you have the Titans, who were the Oilers at one point. Or, yeah, I mean, or no, the Texans were the Oilers at one point. Then you got the Colts that were playing in Baltimore at one time, you know? Yeah, like it's just a division. It's a dumb division. It's uh, all the misfits of other divisions, you know, they kind of just said, 
hey, let's throw them together. Right. And, and see what type of science experiment they mutate into down there. Absolutely. But I, I was, agree with you. Um, the first thing I said, it, I'm sorry, go ahead. I said the Titans used to be the Houston Oilers. That's my fault. I'm sorry. My bad. I'll be better next time. Turn your fucking brain on. I'm trying to. It's it's what time is it? It's 235. I'm tired. <laughs> uh, I said the same thing as you. If Mark if Marcus Allen's in the Hall of Fame, then Fred Taylor definitely has to be because uh, Fred Taylor over his 13 year career had 11,900 and excuse me, 11,696 yards and 66 total touchdowns. Mind you. MJD was drafted in 2006 and he had a split backfield with Maurice Jones drew. It wasn't like he was the lead horse. They were literally split backfield. Maurice Jones drew was kind of like the earth and Fred Taylor was the wind and fire for that backfield. Um, and he still put up really good numbers. Obviously his numbers took a dip because he's not getting the, uh, the production that he, uh, not the production, the usage that he was getting, but he still deserves to be in the hall of fame. Absolutely. Last question we have here for the episode comes from our friend, Caden F. Tink. Caden, applause for Caden. Hey, applause for Caden. It's our guy right there. Good dude. Uh, people in the Xbox community know him as Local Dolphin. So uh, hit up, hit him up on, on, that's his Activision ID. So hit him up on there, troll him a little bit. Local Dolphin 69. <laughs> so uh, his uh, question was, thoughts on, future, on the future of Taysom Hill and the New Orleans Saints? Will they still run the NFC South? Also, thoughts on the NHL season if it starts on time. Finally, and this is my favorite part of the question right here, will they ever feed Zeke? Will they ever feed him? I mean, he's got to be – I mean, he looks like he's been fed. He looks like he's been starving or he's just living off beer and he's just getting a beer belly. I don't know what's going on over there in Dallas with Zeke. I feel like there's a little bit of child abuse going on over there. But let's get back to it, Adam. We're going to start with that Zeke one, and then we'll get to the other ones. If It's a goddamn shame. It's a goddamn shame what's happening to him. If this man can't be fed on Thanksgiving of all days – that performance he puts on Thanksgiving, if he can't be fed, and I don't want to hear about the offensive line. I don't want to hear it because the Cowboys still have fucking Andy Dalton, who was an ex-Pro Bowl starting quarterback for years. They have Amari Cooper. They have C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, and they have two solid tight ends. I don't want to hear that the offensive line is trash because when you have all those weapons, it boosts the offense. The offensive line is to blame a little bit, but – Look back to last year. What did Zeke do last year? He was starving last year too. He wasn't getting fed last year. Somebody check on Zeke. Somebody check on this man because he's on the verge of death from starvation. Do we need to do a health and wellness check on him? I'll, I'll call Dallas PD up, see if they can head over to his house. Not that Jerry I care Jones. about him or anything because I don't care about Zeke because he's a no. fucking Buckeye too. But he, yeah, he is. And you just don't want to see a, a man with so much talent, so much skill and great hair die i mean he looks like a just yeah he, he looks like an idiot uh <laughs> but you know maybe we do need to do that maybe we do need to reach out and you know talk to zeke he, he, uh, he cursed himself when he got that tattoo on his stomach that said feed me jesus uh, he was just asking for it because jerry yeah. jones dak prescott wants a max contract guess what jerry jones is doing the total opposite like, You're going to get a tattoo on your stomach that says, feed me. Guess what Jerry Jones is going to do? Not feed Starve him. Him. Yeah. <laughs> not feed him. He's going to chain you up like a dog outside the house in the rain in wintertime. 
and you're just gone. Every you're time just I done. see every time I see Zeke on the football field, I hear Sarah McLaughlin just faintly playing. And I see a little slideshow of him. Yeah. I see a little slideshow of him in, in black and white, but him looking at the camera, you know, slightly teary-eyed, just I want food. Someone feed me. Give me the ball. But they're not going to, they're going to tr- continue to try to feed Zeke. He's just not going to eat. He's going to continue to drop the plate. Like he's been dropping the football all year. That's all he knows at this point right now. That's all he knows. We need to get him back. Him no, we don't need remember. to get him back. We don't need to get him back. We need to get him on a different I'm loving. Yeah, different team. I'm cool with it. But uh, other parts of the question here, we'll start from the beginning. Thoughts on the future of Taysom Hill and New Orleans Saints. Taysom Hill, I don't think he's any better than Teddy Bridgewater. A Teddy Bridgewater type quarterback. What do you think? Um, I think Teddy Bridgewater is 10 times the quarterback that Taysom Hill ever dreamt about being. Uh, Taysom Hill has, I'm, I'm tired of all the publicity that's been going around him just because he's some regular dude who played at a Mormon school. He comes in and he can run the ball a little bit. And he's, I mean, I just don't see it. He's in a good offense, but he really, even in that good offense, he maybe has a couple good plays a year. I mean, I just don't see it. And everybody makes him out to be super electric and all that. I, I, don't, I just don't see it. I don't I don't understand what the hype is around this guy. This guy wants to be the next starting quarterback in New Orleans Saints. Hit the fucking bricks, dude. No. Bricks, bro. I think he's only successful. Because he's only successful in the limited time that he plays because of his versatility. He can't carry a team. If he were the starting quarterback for long periods of time, he can't carry the team. Like, he kind of lucked out by playing the Broncos this past week. And I mean, they did beat the Panthers, but I mean, are the Panthers really a team that, hey, we got Taysom Hill a quarterback. That's going to be a good game. You know, I don't, I don't think the, the Panthers defense sucks, you know, and I think Teddy Bridgewater, what, what, I'm not saying that he is better than Teddy Bridgewater. I'm saying the type of quarterback that Teddy Bridgewater is like a fringe starter can kind of run and can kind of pass. He's no better than that lowest tier of guy that can do that. Talking like Blaine Gabbert kind of deal. I think yeah, take- I would I would take Blaine Gabbert over Taysom Hill. I mean, Blaine Gabbert got his team to the NFC to AFC Championship. I mean, he had a solid defense, but he still got there. No, not right. Blaine Gabbert. That wasn't Blaine Gabbert. It was Blake Bortles. Yeah, still I still take Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, I would too. Uh, so will the Saints continue to run the NFC South, <laughs> buddy? Have you seen the NFC South? They're they're, they're uh- almost. They're almost there with the NFC East. Almost, but then, I mean, I, I think a team truly that's saving that division right now is the Falcons because they just put an ass whooping on Oakland yesterday, did they not? They did. Uh, it's Las I mean, Vegas I, now. Oh, my my fault. Uh, I need to get, get my brain – I need to get my brain juice flowing again. Um, like I said, it's it's early. That conference uh, is, the, is the choke conference, though. It, it is. Literally the choke conference. The Panthers choke in the Super Bowl. The Falcons – the biggest choke in sports history in the Super Bowl. The Saints, <laughs> the Saints. It seems like every year they choke in a different round of the playoffs. Absolutely, I, I just, it's just a tough division to watch too, especially with all the the domes that are there too. I, I can't stand it. it yeah, makes me- like, why are you playing in the South and every team, not every team, two of the four teams are playing in a dome? You know, it's just it's just boring. Like, can we please get rid of? I was going to make a joke, but that'd be fucked up. Um, can we please get rid of uh, the Mercedes-Benz Super, uh, Superdome? I, I'm just I'm just tired of it. I, I hate – the Falcons one I like a little bit. It's still a little dark and gloomy in there, but the 
the Saints, Jesus God, awful. Yeah, awful. The, the only thing that the um, Superdome has going for it is uh, the the noise in there that right. makes a difference for that team there. Um, I think the Saints are going to continue to run that division. I don't think they're the most talented team in the division, but they are the most complete team in the division. I think the Bucks actually on paper are the most talented team. You know, I mean, how can you argue against that? Um, but they're just not working together. They're not a team. You know, you can't just take all these superstars and throw them on a team and expect it to work immediately. You know, Absolutely. Antonio Brown had two catches this last week. What happened to him? Mike Evans, he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And you got uh, Chris Godwin. He, he put up pretty good numbers this week. And Tom Brady and Gronk, you know, um, they're the most talented team, have the most talent. But the Saints are the best team completeness-wise, completion-wise. You know, they're the best coach. They got the best quarterback. I think Drew Brees is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. They got a solid run, really good running back, solid wide receivers. And I don't even think Michael Thomas has played. And they're still nine and two. Absolutely. I mean, there's just uh, on that Tampa Bay team, there's so many tutties to be thrown around. So many tutties. <laughs> you want later. But now I think definitely New Orleans, uh, definitely not the most talented team in that division. I think Falcons are even up there with talent level. Uh, yeah. I think Carolina at some spots has some talent on them, weirdly enough. But it's just a team, like you were saying, you can't just throw all these superstars together like Gronk, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, and even their backup tight ends are fucking studs. I mean, it's just it's just not a team that right now is maybe a year or two from now if Tom Brady hasn't decided to retire yet. I mean, it's a team that should be taken very seriously. I mean, and a lot of people before the season even started took Tampa Bay very seriously, and I didn't. I just wasn't one of them. Now, I was partially wrong with that because it turns out that they are exceeding the expectations that I had for them, but they're not – they're just not there yet. Not there yet. I took them seriously, but I didn't really think they were going to be as dominant as everyone thought they were going to be. Everyone's like, oh, you know, 15-1, 14-2. No. They're playing in a – I know I said earlier that the NFC South is on par with the NFC East. That was a joke. The NFC South is much better than the NFC East. It it's, is a competitive division – Unfortunately, the last three years, the Saints have won it, so it's made it less competitive. But the years prior, you know, the um, Panthers won it, the Falcons won it, the Saints would win it. You know, everyone but the Bucks, honestly. Um, right. So it is a competitive division, and I think the Saints will win it this year. But if the Bucks stay together, which they probably will, I think they're going to win it for the next couple of years. Now, he asked yep. one more question on here. He said, uh, thoughts on the NHL season. What do you think about the NHL season? You know what's happening with that? Uh, I haven't done too much research in t at all, but I know it's just like every major sport right now where the season's really fully up in the air. But Yeah, it, it is very up in the air, but they have a, a projected um, uh, like potential divisions. They're doing like division changes because of COVID, okay. which I think is kind of stupid because – so, for instance – Let's just look at the – so they broke it down into four divisions. Canada, East, Central, and West. So you got – let's just take Canada. You got the Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver's on the west side of, of Canada, all the way by – yeah, all the way above Seattle. Then you got Toronto, which is all the way on the east side of Canada. Now, how in the hell 
is that smart? If you're trying to limit exposure, how is it smart to take a team from Western Canada, fly them all the way out to Eastern Canada and say that's COVID friendly, you know? Oh, because uh, COVID hasn't hit Canada yet. They're still safe. You know, I heard that Canada still doesn't have cable. Really? Yeah. They just got internet up there in Canada. They They just got internet. Are they just out on the uh, frozen lakes playing hockey or something? Curling? What? What's that's going all on they're doing. There? Playing hockey. Uh, that's that's Eating. all they're doing up there and, and listening to the radio for hockey games. Unreal. They're <laughs> yeah, loving I, it. Can, uh, I don't think it, like the divisions for, for the NHL this year is, I mean, I get why they're doing it, but it doesn't really even make sense because looking at the East, they got the Boston Bruins, Buffalo Sabres, Carolina Hurricanes, New Jersey Devils, New York Islanders, New York Rangers, Philadelphia Flyers and Washington Capitals. Now let's take a look at last year. The Eastern Conference was Washington, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Carolina, the Islanders, Columbus, Rangers, and Devils. I mean, do you really see a difference in that? No. It could also just be a thing where the NHL has to put out some sort of effort to the media. Yeah, I can see that. It's like a, play the political game. Yeah, just play the political game, political game, which everybody's into. Everybody's got to be PC now these days. So, if As if, they if uh, F Tink, if if you're looking for an answer as to who's going to win the Stanley Cup this year, I mean, the safe pick is the Tampa Bay Lightning because they just won it. But then you got teams like the Dallas Stars; they're pretty good. St. Louis is pretty good. The my hometown team, the one that I'm saying is winning it all. It's the New York Rangers, even though they're not going to win it all, you know, because they're not that good yet. But I'm saying it. I'm going on a limb. The Rangers are going all the way this year in COVID season, if it happens, which I hope it doesn't because I don't want to be wrong on this one. But uh, the Rangers are going to be COVID champs this year. Bold statement. (laughs) But uh, with that one there, that's the last question we have here. Jack, I'm pretty sure – I'm pretty confident this has been our best episode yet. Easily. I mean – even with all my brain farts that came in today, it's still easily that you could put all of our podcasts together from the past combined, put them in a blender and blend that shit up. And it's those, that one concoction coming out still would be nowhere even close to this podcast that we just did right here, right now at two fifty Eastern time. (laughs) So I I mean, I I really like getting questions from our listeners. So I want to do this again in the future. Give it, give it a couple more episodes. We do it again, get some more questions from you guys gauge the listening core see what you guys want to hear about um but with that jack do you got anything else to say um i mean of course go Steelers. um shout out to ricky mead i'm glad he sent in the question shout out to sergeant woodby with a great question or no he didn't ask a question he just so the backstory behind the tutties okay you know you did that reference he yeah, said because he's, he's one of our biggest fans he listens okay. all day the other day and he guy, said, hey, guy. I'd prefer, I prefer he, that you said tutties whenever you say touchdowns from now on. And I said, okay, we'll see if we can work in. He got right in my groan. He said, Vera, I'm being serious. Do it. Hey, and I I'll, said, make, okay. I'll make a conscious effort to call them tutties from now on. Tutties, tutties. But other than that, I mean, I really don't have anything else going on in my life other than the greatest podcast of all time. And you're listening to Time Out with Adam and Jack. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys next week.